You say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh, wow, do we have another great show for you. I am telling you what, listen, you know, we talk a lot about leadership on the show because this show is, you know, A New Direction. It helps you find leadership, success in your life, your career, your business, right? Uh, this book today is going to accomplish all of that. Uh, okay. I, it, it's rare that I can find a book that does, okay, leadership, success, life, career, business. This book does, it's called Positive Influence, the leader who helps people become their best self. That should be you. Mm. 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 That should be you. you. You should be asking yourself a question. I don't care if you're, if you got a C, you know, as in C-suite before your name, uh, or if if you are uh, you know working with your hands somewhere uh, and, and you're constructing things, you are a leader. We all are. We influence somebody. I promise you that you do. And you want to be the best leader that you can, but what you want to be is a positive influence leader. Well, my guest this week, uh, Glenn Parker, who's co-author of this book, Positive Influence, is going to be joining me today. We're going to get right to him, but before we do that, let's do what we do every week, right? Uh, if you've never joined us on the show, and by the way, if you're watching us on DBTV, uh, all over the world, right? Um, by the way, it's uh, you know if you're watching us, uh, it's DBTV, it's Delta Bravo TV. So if you are watching us, thank you for doing that, listening to us by podcast. Thank you if you're live streaming uh, with us right now. Listen, you can ask your questions live right to the show. You just type them in and we'll go from there. Here's the deal. We are four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And we need to be working on ourselves every single day because we are never static. If we're not growing, we're dying. That's just the truth. I'm sorry. It, it, we, we just don't stay the same. So we need to be an active participant in our growth in these four areas. So I want you to evaluate yourself in a scale of one to 10, five being average in each of these areas. So like for instance, the physical, how would you rate yourself in terms of eating right, getting enough exercise, getting enough water, getting enough sleep? How would you, how would you evaluate yourself? Now listen, the number that you give yourself is not important. That's your starting point. So if you're a 2.5, that's okay. That's okay. That's where you're going to start to be better. Okay, so whatever that number is, that's your number. Good for you. There's your first number. Second number is the mental intellectual number, right? My wife says to me, you can't be on the couch like a couch potato and think that somehow information is just going to magically absorb into your brain. We have to be an active participant in our intellectual growth and in our wisdom and our knowledge and our understanding of who we are, what we do. We, we need to be an active participant. There's a lot of ways to do that. One of the ways to do that is read a book. Because that that yep. gives us growth, right? But you know what? We have two halves of the brain, left brain, right brain, right? So, you know, we need to work that logical side of our left brain and we need to work that creative side of our right brain. We each have one, right? So you could learn, right. a, learn a foreign language, take up an instrument. Things like that help improve your intellectual and mental growth. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you say you're doing? That's your second number. Third number is the emotional number. And I make it really simple because we talk about, you know, Daniel Goleman has written so much on emotional quotients and emotional intelligence. We've seen that all over, right? I'm make it really simple. It comes down to two things. One, how well are you able to control your emotions under stress and pressure? 
And then secondly, and this is important to be a positive influence leader, how well are you able to tap into and really understand the emotions of another person? If you were to put those two together, what score would you give you? Okay, that's your third number. And then your fourth number. That's a spiritual number. And I know some of you are going to go, well, I'm really not all that spiritual. I'm not a spiritual person. Well, we're all spiritual, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you remove the physical, the mental, the emotional, what do you have left? Well, you know, we, we have the spirit. The human spirit exists. But we live by faith every day. When you push the <laughs> button on your car, you believe it's going to start. When you sip the coffee, you believe it's not poisonous. When you, when you see the sign that says walk, you believe that cars are not going to go right across the street and run you over. We live by faith every day. You've made plans for the future that you believe are going to happen. It is faith. But then there's another part of it, and that is what brings you back to centeredness? What brings you back to hope, to joy in the midst of chaos? Is it God? Is it is it meditation? Is it nature? Is it something else? And is it working? So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself spiritually? Those four numbers are like the air in the tires of your car. If one of those areas is too low, what happens, Right? The car's going to veer. It's not going to drive right. It's harder to drive. If all four tires are low, over time, what happens is you, you'll, you'll damage the vehicle. So what we want to do is bring the tires up to the right height. And speaking someone who does that, his name is Glenn M. Parker. He is an internationally recognized workshop facilitator, organizational consultant, conference speaker in the area of teamwork, collaboration, and team meetings. He's the author of 16 books including the bestsellers, cross-functional teams, working with allies, enemies, and other strangers, and team players, and teamwork, new strategies for developing su successful collaboration. He's widely, uh, Glenn's widely used instrument, the Parker Team Player Survey, which is, by the way, in this book, has sold more than 1 million copies and has seminal work on team player styles, was featured in a best-selling CRM video. Uh, he's been a consultant for more than 40 years. He's helped create high-performing teams at hundreds of organizations, including Novartis, Merkin Company, Bristol-Myers, Squibb, uh, Phillips Van Heusen, Delcordia, U.S. Coast Guard. Where hasn't he been? That's really the point. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, and welcome the first time ever to a new direction, Glenn Parker. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jay. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, well, this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, you approached yes. me. You you approached me. You wrote me right before the show. You said, I, I would like to start this way. Right. And so typically I jump right into the book and we just start rolling out. But that's not what you wanted to do. What you wanted to do is uh, right away, who were the people that influenced you? Who were the positive influence leaders on your life? So I'm going to, so I guess we're going to do this back to back. So you're going to share your stories and, and then I'll share mine. And so who were those people who were uh, positive influential leaders and what did they do? So, so let, let, let me tell you, um, uh, about a gem. I'll take take you back many many years to when I was uh, a, a young, very young man, just out of graduate school. Uh, my first job, my first boss, my first performance appraisal. This is where we are. So thank you to that scenario. My first boss, Larry, and so we're in in the um, we're in the performance appraisal. And um, things are going quite well. He thinks I've done a good job and I'm very pleased with that. And I've 
prepared for this um, event because I had, had never had done it before. And so, um, by the way, I should tell you that um, while he thought I had done a good job, it was pretty boring work, Jay. Basically, what I did is I wrote report. I did research and wrote reports. This was in the pre-Google era. era. <laughs> so you had to actually look up stuff, get a book, yeah. <laughs> look it up, maybe even go to a library yep. and look things up. And I wrote reports and I looked thing, more things up and I wrote more reports and I was got good at writing reports. And so he, uh, so he was very pleased with that. So at a, we come to that point in the performance appraisal, and I think everybody remember, knows this part, which is your development plan. What do you want to do next? Um, and so I had thought about this, and I had also been listening to the folks across the hall who were doing leadership training, and they seemed to be having a lot of fun. They were traveling all over uh, the U.S. and Canada, and they were conducting workshops, and they were coming back with stories. There's always the the uh, the usual travel stories. You know, I got stuck in Des Moines, and I had to stay overnight in you know in Motel Six, and then, or they were talking about what happened in leadership training and how much fun and all the interesting people they met. So I said to Larry, I think I would like to try. Um, leadership training. And I was wondering if a part of my plan that I could observe a class. So he said to me, oh, as a matter of fact, Glenn, I'm traveling down south next week. I'm going to be conducting workshops in two cities. And you could come along with me. He said, but one, what there is one thing. He said, I can't really justify your travel expenses unless you teach something. Mm. So I, my lips started to quiver. I said, Larry, Larry, well, I don't know anything. What do you mean? How, how could I teach something? I don't know anything. He said, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll figure it out. Mm. And he did. And I did. And I went down south with him. And... I taught something and it went very well. And I went, wow, I like this. Mm. I, I can do this. Mm. And I realized then that that's what I really wanted to do. Mm. That was my true north. That, that, that was um, my core purpose in life. And I didn't realize that, but Larry did. He saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And this is one of the things that a positive influence leader does. They see something in you that you didn't see in yourself. Now, the other thing is that he, and this is another characteristic of a positive influence leader is he positioned me for success. Mm. Now, what he could have done was say, oh, you know what? I'll give you my notes and you can teach the two day workshop and I'll sit in the back of the room and give you feedback um, about how you did. No, no, no. He didn't do that. He gave me a two hour block the afternoon of the second day. The group was already warmed up. 
Um, they were in a good mood. And the only thing I could do at that point was really screw it up. And I didn't. And it went well. So he, this is kind of the message out of this story, which is he positioned me for success by giving me two hours and not throwing me to the wolves by saying, teach the whole two days. No, no, no. Um, and, and I can imagine some leaders saying, oh, I'm giving you a great opportunity here. You can show your stuff for, you know, for 15, 16 hours over two days. No, you didn't do that. Mm -hmm. So that changed my life and that changed the trajectory of my life and my career because I went on from there to do leadership development and then organization development and then team development. And that's what I discovered really what my true, true north is. Does that make sense to uh, you? No, I, no, listen, I'm a, I'm a coach who helps people find purpose. It's one of my things. I'm a, I know that I am a, I, I know that I possess three of the four strongly. The fourth one I just do, I think, but of the four that we have. And so, no, I, I understand it. I, I get it. I've had those people, I've had different people in my life that have exhibited different strengths in, in leadership. I know for me, um, I've written about him in my last book and all over. Uh, he unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but Bob Lillydahl, when I was on the farm and I, we didn't have a farm. And so the only job that you get in, in a town of a hundred people is you're going to work on somebody's farm. And, uh, I started working on farms when I was nine, but I started working for Bob when I was about 12, 13. And, uh, you know, Bob, Bob pushed me. He, he, he made me embrace deliberate discomfort and he, he, he got me to do things that was, were way out of my comfort zone, way, way out of my comfort zone. And, uh, I am so grateful for that because it's why I will do what I do today. I, I love being in a deliberately uncomfortable position. Because I know that every time I make myself be deliberately uncomfortable, that there's growth. And had Bob not pushed me to do things that I didn't know, that I was afraid to do, that I would never have done on my own, I would not be doing the things that I do today. I just wouldn't. I would never, five years, I would have never started a podcast and you know now we're on TV. I would have never done it. I would, it, it, but because I was willing to go, why not? You know, you, you castrate a hog at twelve. You can, you can pretty much, you can pretty much do a podcast. So, so let me ask you this: What did he do to support you along that way, so that you could feel like you could do all of that? Well, I think I he just had confidence. That I, that I was going to be able That's to do it. Very, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, I mean, he knew that I didn't think I could do it, but he knew that I could do it. Okay. So he, he knew that it so was like. send that message to you yeah, somehow. Yeah. It, it, or not yeah. Well, it, he knew that I needed to overcome my own fear. And so, cause I, I, I mean, he literally would say, come here, you, you can do this. Let's go. Come on. Let's get it done. Yeah. And then, and then here was the interesting thing, Glenn, is when I did the thing he asked that I didn't think I could do and I did it, I was like, well, what's the next challenge? Yeah. 
what, what are we going to do next? So then what happened was every time he would say, I want you to do this. And I would go, oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. In my head, I was going, I don't know. But because we accomplished the earlier tasks, I knew that he had confidence in me that I could, I could do it. And he would, he would give me the freedom. This was the beautiful thing about Bob. He would say to me this, I don't care how you get it done. I don't care how you finish it. I just want you to find a way to finish it. And he gave me this freedom to create my own plan. And then if, and then if I was, uh, let's say I was uh, doing something and he'd come by and he would see that I was working and he would say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to help you save a little energy here. Yeah. Okay. Cause you're, you're expending. A, he used to tell me this often, you know, you're expending a lot of energy, you know, let's, let's, let's work a little more efficiently. So let me show you a few things, right? Okay. Here comes the teacher. Right, the teacher leader, right? Which he was, he he was always going. Let me teach you what you could do here, you know. And it would be something as simple as instead of pushing, try pulling. Right. You know, start yes. start with start with this, don't that. And and if you're going to work with this, this is where you got to be careful, right? And so that was part of it as well, is that he was he would be a teacher, he would be a motivator. But then he would come around and see how I was doing. Every now and then he had to give me a little kick in the tail. I mean, he did. He had to do sure. it because I was a <laughs> teenager who got a little lazy on occasion. But I needed it. And and and. Sure. But I also knew he was doing it in a supportive way. He wasn't doing it in a way to make belittle me. He was doing it in a way because he knew that he could get more out of me. And he did. Yeah. And I. I think the idea that when when someone gives you confidence, you do better work. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it translates into better work. And the other thing, it sounds like also when you talked about him coming by uh, periodically, is that the positive influence leader, the supportive one, will say, I got your back. Mm-hmm. The, Okay, no, no, you you get into trouble. I'm here for you. I'm not going to do it for you. No, no. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna help you be successful. I'll teach you what you need to know. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you the tricks of the trade. Yeah. And by the way, I'm also going to teach you how to be a good person in this. A, right. a, a yeah, that that all of that sort of thing. So. Uh, that, that's, that's a great story. It, it really is. And by the way, we, we collect stories of oh. positive influence, uh, and people love, by the way, to tell us these stories. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll talk a little bit later about, you know, some people in the audience that want to like send in their story and get it published. Oh, we'd love to do that. That would awesome. be cool. So one of the things that comes right out of this book that I just think is so important for people to hear and it is that you didn't do the, you didn't build this alone. That's that's the title, chapter one, because there is this myth that you bring up of the rugged individualist, and I think that's really important for people to hear that message. That 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 we none of us who will ever be successful do it alone, and the idea of the rugged individualist. Listen, I grew up in a in Nebraska in a small town of hundred people. Right. We we're sure. about as isolated as we could be, but I still had people. So talk about the myth of the rugged individualist and not doing it alone. Yeah, no, I, I think, it, you know, it, 
by definition, the myth is a myth. You know, it's it's even in those the days of the old West, mm-hmm. you know, where we, you know, it was a real manly thing to do to go out and conquer the West, conquer land. You know, we could all be like John Wayne, you know, coming into town and cleaning up the place and, you know, and maybe uh, getting a little piece of land and starting a farm or a cattle ranch. or And it seemed like it was just one person doing all this. And it never was. It never was that you needed the support of other people. Many times it was. Uh, members of your family, just like you were talking about, uh, you got work. Uh, and so members of the family worked the farm. And uh, there was the, you know, we used to hear about the stories of barn raising. You needed to, you needed to uh, have a barn on your, on your ranch. Folks came around to help you build that barn. And that was a it was an event and everybody felt like they were part of something. So this, this whole mythology and, and, and it was also the, the great entrepreneurs of early America that said, you know, they built this, they didn't build the railroad themselves. No. I'm sorry. And there was some, um, there's a, a whole lot of folks that helped build that railroad and were not paid particularly well to do it or treated very well. But, um, and there, you know, the, I have to say we initially, everybody wanted the government out of their business, but the government provided a lot of things and a lot of things that were supportive of that so-called rugged individualist. It, it's, uh, it's a nice story. It makes for good, you know, Zane Gray novels, but also, um, it's, um, makes for, for good movies as well is that, you know, the, the lone stranger, um, that, um, you know, can do anything and does do everything. And, um, you know, we perpetuated a lot of that myth because it's, it's probably makes for better theater than, uh, than anything else. So. His name is Glenn Parker. Uh, he's co-author of the book, positive influence leader who helps people become their best self. I will say this, you know, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. You know what? We're, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about what kind of an influential leader are you? You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, whether you're recovering from an injury, surgery, suffering from everyday aches and pains, having difficulty performing activities, or maybe you're an athlete, even a professional athlete, just looking to improve how you move and feel. Listen, uh, the people at Epic Physical Therapy are going to provide a tailored program specifically for you. So when you're ready for Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, your Epic Results, don't look any further. Go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors for more than 38 years, they have been helping people all over the world transition in life. And you go, well, wait, I thought they were a real estate company. They are. But think about it. Every place you've ever lived has been a transition in life, right? So when you think about it, right, what they have done over the course of the 38 plus years they've been in existence, they have helped people take the stress out of that move. They've helped people make it easier for them to make that transition. They would love to help you. So listen, when you are ready to make your transition in life, whether that be selling your home or buying your home, start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. 
And we're back here on A New Direction with uh, Glenn Parker and his book uh, that he co-wrote with Michael Parker, uh, Positive Influence Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. Um, I noticed you were smiling during the commercial break there, Glenn. I love that when I see my guests smile when I'm doing my little promos there, uh, which I'm very grateful for them. Uh, So let's talk about this, these four types of uh, positive influence leaders. Because I think uh, what I got out of this, Glenn, was first of all, I was trying to identify, as you were describing them, which one am I most predominant in? And of course, you have the test in the back of the book, uh, the Parker test that you could take to evaluate your leadership style. And then I was also looking at, uh, you know, I was also thinking about which people in my life uh, influence were stronger in each one of those. And I, and then I, and then I had a question that I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you answer after you describe these, because the question I'm going to have after you describe this is from a psychological professional's standpoint, are these areas that I can work on and improve? Right. That's going to be the question at the end of this. Sure. Right. So, uh, the four types of positive influence leaders, let, let's talk about the supportive positive influence leader. Who is that person? What do they look like? And, um, how do we identify them? So, Jay, let me take a quick step back just sure. for context. So, Michael and I, by the way, my, Michael is my son. Okay. Um, we, we went into this looking for a profile of, of a positive influence leader. Um, what would that look like? A job description, you know, a, a role description. And we, that's kind of the general way we went into it. We went into it with a set of questions that we asked everybody. And we, it was very diverse group of people that we talked to. And as we're going through this, we find that there's no clear definition of a positive influence leader, that there are many ways that you can be a positive influence leader, all of them helpful, but different. And so, out of that, we came to this idea that there would be four different types um, and people could be a positive influence leader, very, very successful at it, top of organizations using any one of these four styles. Mm. So we we took the data and we, we talk about the research that we do as sort of bottoms up. We, re, we collect all this information and then we kind of take a look at it. And uh, I... <laughs> Sounds a, a little pretentious, but, you know, as you know, sometimes people say, well, the data spoke to me. Well, it didn't exactly speak to me. <laughs> but we looked at it and said, this kind of goes here and this kind of goes here. And so we ended up with these four buckets, four types or four styles. And I had worked a lot with styles and uh, because years ago you mentioned a book um, team players and teamwork. Yeah. The first book that I wrote in 1990, and by the way, people are amazingly are still using this book, um, and particularly the survey, because uh, out of that, I was looking for a profile of a team player, because there was only one definition of a team player in those days, and that was negative. You know, Jay, why aren't you being more of a team player? Meaning, <laughs> why aren't you being more like us? I st- we still hear it. 
That's embarrassing questions. Right. Why are you asking, uh, you know, what research have you done? Right, right, right. Why are you asking about what, what markets there are for this product? No. Right. Um, so we found that there were, there were positive definitions of team player. But let me get go back to your question. So we found that there were four types or four styles, supportive, the teacher, the motivating positive influence leader, and the role model. So the supportive one is what you what you might expect that somebody who says, I, I, I'm with I'm with you. Uh, I got your back. Uh, you can do this. Um, uh, you I, I can I'm with you if you need help. I, I will back you up pretty much like the story that you told about working on the farm. If you need me, I'm here. I'm just like over there. And, and you can find me pretty easily if you need me, but I'm not going to do it for you. No, you're going to learn for, to do this. For example, a woman that we interviewed, she's a, 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 a doctor. She's a um, medical, a, a radiation oncologist. She grew up in Jamaica in the West Indies and her mother worked. So she was raised by a grandmother. Um, who taught her how to read and write. I mean, a little thing. taught her how to read and write, um, taught her basic life skills like sewing and how to grow things and, and farming um, and the like. And she taught her about how to be a, how to be a good person, but she said very high standards. She talked to, she told me this story about she came home with a 70 on a, on a, on a test and her grandmother was, furious at her, you know, you can do better than this. Um, and so later in life, her grandmother, uh, developed cancer. And at that point, Sernette, her name was, she, um, said, I'm going to become a doctor and become an oncologist and treat other cancer patients because she learned from her grandmother about helping other people. And that's what she wanted to do. Um, another woman that we talked to, Jennifer, um, her mother loved history. And she taught, she taught Jennifer to love history to, uh, and she restored her home, their family home to the way it was originally in the federal period of our architecture in the United States. And she got the paint to make it look exactly like this. And Jennifer went on to major in American history. And her mother would say, gee, I think I taught you too well. What, what are you going to do with a degree in history? How are you going to make a living? Well, Jennifer kind of made a pretty good living. She's now a senior curator with the Smithsonian <laughs> Museum of American History. Um, she is, Jay, she's living the dream. This is what she, she's, got work where she can, she can live her dream. So the, the supportive leader is somebody who helps you get to that point. Um, the teacher is what you might expect. The person that teaches you things you need to learn in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. It can be, uh, skills and knowledge that they give you, but it can be values. And when you get to work in an organization, it can get figuring out the culture. So yes, I'm going to tell you, I know what the, the employee handbook says, but let's, let me tell you how it really is around here. 
And by the way, when someone says to you, let me tell you how it is really is around here. Listen closely because they're telling you about the culture. Mm -hmm. The manual says this is how you get a report printed and distributed. But go down to the basement and talk to Joe because that's how you really get something done in this organization. So, yeah, so the teacher might have the title, might actually carry the title of the teacher. For example, my mother was a teacher and she taught me, uh, she taught me to love learning. She taught me to love reading. Um, and so, but sometimes like for example, a, a woman that we interviewed uh, who was a teacher herself, went back to school to become a teacher. She met Dr. Carlson in graduate school when she went back to get a master's in education. And he inspired her to be not only just a teacher, but to be a great teacher. He taught her the skills, how to manage a classroom, but he taught her like, I wanna be great. And did Le Leslie turned out to be pretty great because a few years ago, um, she's a teacher in New York City public schools. Uh, they have a competition for the teacher of the year. And there's probably maybe 10,000 teachers in the city of New York, she was one of a hundred that was selected as teacher of the year. So she kind of learned to be a teacher pretty well. Um, so anyway, so people get inspired by people. Um, they both learn skills, but they learn values and how to be a, a, a good person in this world. Um, the, the motivating leader is that was Larry. Larry was the motivating leader. He was somebody that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Number two, he also empowered me to act. And he made it so that I could be successful. He empowered me to do it on my own. And I went on to be, to, to take on and to help other people at the same time. So the motivating person helps you find that core purpose, but then they, they don't just leave you there and say, Hey, you know, uh, you ought to be a podcast host. They, they say to you, uh, here's how to do it. So I'm going to, and by the way, if you need some help, here's my, here's my number. Um, and we can talk about it. The role model is kind of just what you would think it would be somebody that you look at it and you say, oh, that's how you do it. Mm. Like, I'm sure that you're a role model to other aspiring podcast hosts who want to learn how to do it. And I, I'll bet that you get phone calls from people. I want to start. Yep. How do I do it? So you watch and that's how you learn. Uh, and one, one of the key things about a, being a role model is to walk the talk. Yep. You've got to be that person that says, okay, here's what you do. You know, in order to be a good podcast host, you have to be a good listener. You've got to ask a question and then shut up and let the, let the guest answer. And if you don't, if you're the one that says, oh, and now I have to tell you how I feel about this and you're taking up a lot of the oxygen in the room. No, nah, no, nah, not a good role model. So, um, by the way, one of the greatest role models, I'm a big sports fan, Jay. Um, and one of the great, one of the great role models in sports is Michael Jordan. Now the people, 
that looked to Michael Jordan and said, he's my role model. Uh, the ones that didn't really get it were the ones that were trying to copy his jump shot. The ones who got it were the ones that copied his work ethic. The, 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 the work ethic of first in the gym in the morning and last to leave at night. And who said, he, I need to always be getting better at what I do. And, and in fact, Le, LeBron James said this about, um, about Michael Jordan. He said he was, the great thing about him was he was not afraid of failure. Was, he, he had so many opportunities to take the last shot in the game and win the game. And he did it many, many times. But Michael Jordan has said this very often. He said, I missed more than I took, or I missed more than I made. But he was not afraid to do it. And that became, he became a great role model to a generation of basketball players. And I think to some extent, he, he probably still is. So the, that's, that's the, you know, that, that's kind of the role model. And we, and we met examples where people told us at work, you know, I used to watch, I used to watch my boss, Richard, and I would hear what he would, I would watch what he would say and how he would treat people. And I learned from that. But I also learned that he not only, when I watched what he did, it matched what he said he was going to do. Mm. So if you're going to be say, we're very customer focused in this organization, I better hear you talking to customers in a way that indicates that, that that's how, that that's how we roll in this organization. So I get wound up. No, it's, it's, it's great. That's exactly what I'm looking for. The stories. And this is how we built this, built this was through the stories that people told us about their experiences. And I could go on and on about with these stories, but you know, let's talk. More. <laughs> no, I, well, no, that's exactly what I was looking for. And I knew that you were going to do that because the book has one story after another that really emphasizes some of the subtle characteristics of each of these leadership styles and types, which uh, I thought was awesome. But then, you know, the question for me then became, all right, so, you know, like I immediately recognize that as a coach, right, I, I recognize that I am uh, motivational because I'm also, I speak around the country and so, but I'm, I'm motivational and I'm a teacher, but I'm also supportive. And you're right, I do have a role model piece because I do get often asked and have helped a number of people who say, hey, I want to get into this business, whether it be coaching or speaking or even doing this type of thing, which um, is, a, is a love for me as well. But then I... I I'll interrupt you because you know what? That what you just described there is one of the key characteristics also of a positive influence leader. They pay it forward. There, yeah. people yeah. are always coming and saying, and you're always giving back. You're always yeah. paying it forward. You got benefit, you benefited, and now we're paying it forward. But yeah, um, yeah. Anyway. Well, you have to. Yeah, I, I feel like you have to because I feel like I've been given. First of all, I, I feel like the gifts, talents, and abilities that I have have been given to me. Yes, and they're gifts, which means I am not to hoard them. I'm to give them back. Right. So who am I right. to hold on to them? The, the question I have for you and, and your son, Michael, and even though he's not here, is can we develop these? 
types or are they naturally, are they more naturally given? So like, am I more, do I, do I have a natural inclination towards say being a motivator and I have to work a little harder at maybe being a teacher? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, I, I think that's, um, that, that, that's actually a good way of saying it. Uh, we all have some natural tendencies. And so for people, um, they, they have a pri- usually have a primary style. Mm-hmm. This is their go-to mm-hmm. uh, leadership style. Um, and so it may be being a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, and this is one of the key things, and you know from your, your uh, background in psychology, this is Jungian psychology, the mm-hmm. four psychological types, right? Right, yeah. Um, and that's what all this uh, style and type um, is, is based on, is that while you have a primary style, you have the ability this is a key message. You have the ability to use the strengths of the other three styles as well, but you may have to work on that in order to bring them up. And can I change and can I develop? The answer is squarely yes. Mm. And that's what the really effective leader does. They're constantly working on how do I get better at this? And one way to start, as you suggest, is at the back of the book, there is a survey, an instrument that you fill out and you get a score on what is your primary. Many people have a single primary style, um, but you get a score for all four. And what that tells you is I have strengths in all four of those areas. One is just may or two may be used more than the others. And then we say, okay, now what do I do with this? Well, there's a plan. I look at okay, what are my strengths, and how do my what are the situations where I can make best use of those strengths? What are the areas? I'll use a crude term: weaknesses. Now that I have areas that I don't use as frequently, or as often, or as effectively, and how do I get better at that? At being more of a role model, for example, if that's something that I want to work on. So you 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 plan your development. And the data from the survey gives you a starting point. And the other thing that uh, it is not in the book, but the publisher has published a 360 version of it so that you can um, give it to colleagues, people that you work with. They fill it out on you about what their perception is of you. So you take that data, put it with the data of your own self-assessment and say, okay, how do I learn to, how do I take these data and become, and use it to become, develop a more specific plan from now on, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and stop doing this because it's working against, because that's how you get from the 360 feedback from colleagues. They will tell you, you're doing too much of this. You're stop teaching us so much and let us learn some of this on our own. Beautiful. His name is Glenn Parker, co-author of the book, Positive Influenced Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. And you're already better just watching this show. I'm telling you, you are. We're going to be right back right after this. Hey, folks, Epic Physical Terrorist. 
therapy facility offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment like the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which is my favorite ice compression all at the same time. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available. Things like blood flow restriction therapy, dry needling, cupping. It's just a few. Listen, when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to epicpt.com. And Linda Craft Team Realtors, more than 38 years, have been helping people all over the world. They're independently owned and operated, unaffiliated with a national company. So what happens is they have made relationships all over the world with the best real estate professional in your area. So when you want to find the best real estate professional who's not associated because they don't have an affiliation, so they're going to find the best regardless of the company, right? Start with Linda Craft Team Realtors. It's really easy. It's lindacraft.com. It's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T. And we're back here on A New Direction with my friend, Glenn Parker, a positive influence leader who helps people become their best self. Um, Outstanding read. I'm just telling you folks. And in the back here, uh, Glenn was talking about the Parker Positive Influence Leader Survey self-assessment right there. Uh, You can see it in the view screen. And uh, it's a fabulous uh, assessment. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan, of course, the Young Typology and uh, Myers-Briggs. And it's got a lot of similarities to that. Um, doesn't mean that these can't change, folks. It just means it can open up your eyes to areas that you need to work on. I think that's really the important thing that we want to take away from this um, is that um, you can work. You can always be improved and better. That's what this show is about, improvement and getting better. And um, certainly, uh, that's what talking about. And this is where I want to finish this last segment is talking about the positive influence leader. Um, that per- it seems to me that it's the person who is balanced between all four of these areas uh, is what I is is how I envision it. Is that a correct way to vision that? Yes. Yeah. The the uh, you might call them transformational. This is the person. That um, you know, and Ken Blanchard said this years ago: a good, great leader needs to be situational. Mm-hmm. Um, you come upon a a situation with a team or with an individual. I'm meeting, uh, I'm meeting with Jay today, and so he, I, I, I know Jay, and I know what Jay needs, and I, I'm going to work with him using that strength of mine as a positive influence leader. I'm not going to force him to deal with what what I think he should be able to deal with. Um, it was an awkward sentence, but I think you, you got, you got, <laughs> we, the, got that we got it. Point. <laughs> we, we got it. We got it. Supposed to be a writer, but it's different when you put it down on paper versus you speak it it's, it's right. versus speaking it. Right. It's a little yeah. different thing. So, uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, the, the, the positive influence leader is also situational. They, um, they, use the strengths that are going to be effective with that person or with that team. Um, and that's what makes the really great leader, the one who is able, has that flexibility to move across those four styles in a way that will be effective for the person they're dealing with or for the team that they're dealing with. And 
that's what we all want to take away from this. You know, one of the things you did do in this book, which I didn't know if we were going to get to it or not, but I'm glad we are. And that is, you know, not everyone, you know, I, I mean, my, I, my, my parents had some influence on me, but really it was the people I worked for who were not part of my family. It was these men on the farms that I worked for as an employee, as a young child who they, they really inspired and they really pushed and, um, they taught me, they taught me so many practical skills that I, I, I forget, you know, you know, to using a hammer to ply. I mean, I used to carry a pair of pliers on my hip because Bob did, you know, Bob had a pair of pliers and you, you didn't realize how often you needed them. But I, I bought my own little leather case because Bob had a leather case. I'll never forget that. I still have it. By the way, I still have the last one I purchased when I was a teenager. Are you wearing that right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But I, I do, I do have it still to this day. I, okay. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. But here's the thing that you did talk about, and I'm so glad that you did. Sometimes there were negative experiences. Yes. How did people talk about how people dealt with when they had a negative? Because not everything, not everything was positive. Yeah, it, uh, it's a great question. I'll tell you what. Ha, let me tell you the backstory. Because we, when we started doing the interviews, we didn't ask about negative experiences. And about maybe three interviews in, uh, we were doing these these separately because Michael has a whole different. Because uh, he he works in financial service, he has a whole different network of people. Um, someone said. Um, someone said to me, Glenn, you're asking me about positive influences, but I've got many more negative influences in my life. Would you like to hear about them? (laughs) (laughs) I said, yeah, I would. And then we start, we changed, we changed the interview guide to include a question about positive, negative influences and how did you cope with them? Mm. So we've got a lot of, I mean, some of the stories will blow your mind and and in some cases make you cry because people endured some really awful things that people said to them people who should have cared a lot more about them but um so what happened is that so people had some negative they would have a negative influence and one of the coping strategies was to take it on as a challenge you think I can't do this? Right. I'll show you. Yep. I'll show you. Yep. So, so Gerald, a, a, a gentleman we interviewed who had a you know a thirty-year career with General Electric as a uh, as an engineer and then as an engineering manager, uh, told us about this incident in high school, which he remembered in vivid detail. He went to talk to the college advisor, career counselor, counselor. person we all are familiar with. And he said, I want to go to college, study a double major in engineering and in management. And he got the look. If you're listening, I'm giving you the really you are going to do that. Um, And he knew what that meant. And so he said, yeah, I'll show you. Yep. And he went to, he went to college 
and he got his engineering degree and then he got a master's degree and then he got a job with General Electric, which to them at that point was the El Primo uh, engineering company. And, you know, he went on to and then became a consultant and, you know, worked with a lot of uh, other engineering organizations. I said to him, Jerry, did you ever go back to like a school reunion and say, you know, something, you know, say to the teacher, look, hey, you know, look what happened. He said, no. Uh, he said, I didn't have to. I did it. Yeah. yeah. Up, up here. And I said to him, oh, by the way, um, I said, do you think that was big, Jer that Jared, because you're African-American, she didn't think you could do it because of that? He said, no, she was just bad at her job. Mm. Yeah. I, I had the same thing happen to me in high school. Bad at her job. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, I had the same thing happen in high school. I wanted, Did you? To, I wanted to go to college. And, and literally my advisor, the advisor that I had said, I think you'd be better off going to trade school. And, Same. And uh, and then, of course, I proved him right my first semester by getting a 0 0.75 GPA. And then um, my dad said, maybe you should go to trade school. And then that made me mad. And I said, I proved you wrong. And then I wound up being on dean's list and going to grad school at Washington State University and working on my master's and my doctorate. And so I, I really took that as a challenge and I never right. said anything to anybody. I never said anything to my dad. I never said anything to the, my advisor. They knew. Yeah. They knew. I didn't have to say anything. Yes. They, they knew. And I think, yeah. and as it turned out, they were actually proud of me in both cases. Uh, they yeah. were, because they really said, wow. Right. Right. And what I heard when they said, wow, was I was so wrong. That's what I heard yeah. when they said, yes. wow. I, I apologize. Yeah. yeah, and it was because yeah. it's, it's, yeah. they, they weren't going to say that, but I, I understood that. Uh, we are down yeah. to our last yeah. minute. I'll, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you one more real quick, okay. <laughs> which is um, some people will uh, will use it as a learning experience. <laughs> they will say, "Okay, um, for example, um, Mindy, a woman we interviewed who runs a wonderful." Uh, program in South Florida for uh, uh, physically and sexually abused women. She got a job in a uh, women's health clinic, which was something she really wanted to do. She wanted to learn it as a very young person with no experience. And she, the the executive director of the agency was a horrible manager. She fostered conflict among staff. She never listened to people's ideas. She didn't involve people in any decisions. And so Mindy said she could she didn't want to go, hey, you know. she was a young person. She needed the job. Um, she, she just watched and learned. And she said, when I get my my time, my shot, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. I'm going to use it as a learning experience about what not to do. Right. And a number of people did the same, very same thing. And she ended up starting this, as I said, this, this program in South Jersey, where she runs a, a wonderful program for, for women there, uh, South Florida, excuse me. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there are different coping strategies that people have based on their situation. I mean, you can't turn around because some of the negative influences were parents or teachers. 
and you can't turn around and <laughs> right you know uh i was about to <laughs> right you can't just dismiss them yeah say I, some words that I, I shouldn't say on national television so so w- yeah. we've done an hour and yeah. so um I'm not done. I know you're not. (laughs) Which is why we're going to have to bring you back for book two. Uh, So why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you, Glenn? Okay. Well, um, uh, there's a website called uh, www.thepositiveinfluenceleader.com. Thepositiveinfluenceleader.com. You can reach me at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at the positive influence leader.com. I'm obviously on LinkedIn, very, very active um, on LinkedIn. Um, you'll have my email address in, 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 in the show notes. I will make this offer to anyone. Uh, and that is that if um, you send me an email to that address and say, um, I will buy a copy of this book and pay it forward. I will gift it to someone I think could benefit from a book on positive influence leader. I will send you a complimentary signed copy mm. of positive influence. You have to provide your mailing address, obviously. Uh, I And I also promise that I will not add it to any mail. I don't even have a mailing list, so I have nothing <laughs> to add it to. So a one-time use. So because we know positive influence leaders pay it forward, if the first five people that send me an email um, and say, I will go to Amazon and I will buy a copy of Positive Influence and I will gift it to a person, a friend, a colleague, um, I, and you just tell me I, and I will believe you and I will send you a complimentary signed copy of the book. That's awesome. Thank you for doing that. Stay with me, Glenn. Folks, this is a show. You know what I say to you every week. You are in control of three things in your life, your attitude, your effort, and your resiliency. I know circumstances can be tough. I know they can be difficult. But those are three things that are always within your control because your attitude lives inside you. Your effort is what you choose to give. And we all get punched in the mouth, but you choose to get back up again. Take advantage of it because that's what you can do. I'll be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you all over the world, you had tons of choices. You chose us. Thank you. And as I say to you everywhere, ciao. You can find the strength to go a different way. Yeah. The time has come. Your dreams will take you places you